Hi, and welcome to Plotress. Yes, uh, welcome back. Today we're going to be reviewing The Duchess Deal, colon, Girl Meets Duke by Tessa Dare. I'm Lane. And I'm Meg. Uh, and so today, this is, I think, the first book we've done by Tessa Dare. Yes, it is. Who's uh, a relatively new discovery for me. I don't know where this one falls in her you know, uh, body of work, but this one was put out in 2017. Yes, this is, I think, her newest series, so it's it's still ongoing. There are two that have been published so far. There's going to be at least, so, at least two more. Okay, so Girl Meets Duke is the name of the series, which is why we're laughing that it was put in the title. Yeah, it was actually put in the title. I, I do remember picking up this book, and, and it was in the title, so that was kind of funny. Yeah, interesting. That's usually the title of the series makes it, sort of shoehorned into the body of the books at some point. Right, somewhere, but... But to put it in the title, it's like Twilight the Saga Twilight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did that happen? Was For that... the movies. Okay, so there you go. See, Elaine knows way more about Twilight than I do. The films, <laughs> to be clear. Well, you also know more about the books than I do. Mostly by virtue of the films. Okay. Which are hilarious, and what... I have no shame. Whatever you say. No. Yeah. Uh, so, this book is... Uh, I actually read it thinking Meg had recommended it to mm -hmm. me because it seemed to fall right in her wheelhouse. You've got an independent woman who made it on her own, who takes a big risk in order to stay independent. Yeah. And she's super rational. Yes. Um, and he really respects her yes. for that. And so I, I really thought reading this, I was like, dang, Meg, good choice. And then I came in and said, oh, I really liked it. You know, the one with the wedding dress. And I was like, which one was that again? <laughs> Which apparently Meg had not read it. No, but that's okay. I, I also take Lane's recommendations from time to time. <laughs> You've read a lot more of these than I have, but I'm also, I'm working my way through the NPR list of best romance novels, Aww. so a lot of the ones that I'm coming to on my own are from that list. That said, the NPR list did a lot of what you do, which is telling me the best one in the series yeah. without any context, and I'm yeah. actually someone who prefers to read them in order. Yeah. So even if, I don't know which one NPR actually recommended, because I just put the first in the series right. on my to-read list, regardless of which one NPR actually right. said was the best. Okay. Well, so, so this one is the first in the series. Uh, so Lane recommended it. She said, oh, that was a great choice. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, well, let me find it so I can tell her, yeah, of course it was a great choice. I totally recommended it to you. Uh, but I, so I got it, I got it from the library. I, we both usually do digital copies of these books, but this one, uh, I couldn't get. So my library hadn't bought the digital copy. So I actually ordered it, the physical copy from my library and I put it on hold and I went to pick it up and it was this hardcover book with this, you know, beautiful romance novel cover. So like nothing out of the ordinary for a romance novel cover. It's a, you know, man and woman looking at each other in profile, you know, about to kiss. And he's shirtless, I think. He, if he's not shirtless, his shirt is like halfway off. Mm -hmm. And she's probably in deshabille. This is relevant because his half of his body is scarred. His entire body. So his face is scarred, his body is scarred, but only on one side. It's like very Phantom of the Opera. Yes. And so that brings us to our first romantic trope, which is scars. I can think of at least three novels, including this one, off the top of my head, where the person is scarred. But they're only scarred on one side. But the, what, the reason we bring up this cover is Meg was very pleased that they... He has no visible scars on the cover, yes, but yes. it is the correct side yes. of his body. I, and I did take a picture of it and send <laughs> it through text to Lane to say, I'm very happy to see that they showed him only from the left side because it is his right side that is horribly, horribly scarred. 
So they didn't make a continuity error yes. on the cover of no, the book. No, they didn't. So. And of those three novels that I am telling you about that I know of where the person is scarred, neither of the other ones showed the scar, but they also did not show the part of the body that was that was not supposed to be scarred. Like one was like full uh, head on, square on to the camera. And so, yeah, it's, it, there was no scar at all. And then the other one was like a 1990s, like... Fabio. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that said, I, I, so I wanted to come back to this scar trope uh, because they always seem to be like somehow just half of them. And the other half is like angelically beautiful. But they were all the catch of the era. Right. Before their disfigurement. Right. Right. But there's still evidence of it now. They can't be, like, truly They can't be, like, true. Well, and they can't just be, like, ugly either. Right. Like, not just disfigured. Like, uh, disfigurement is, like, horrible. Like, you don't want to see them all, you know, horrible. But, like, they can't just be, like, Unattractive. Like, unattractive. Yeah. You know? Of course not. Half of them. It's rare. There are the the rare novels out there where the, the guy is not, like, the hottest thing on wheels. But... It's rare. I mean, these are a fantasy. Yeah, which is fair. You know, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that that's wrong. You know, I'm not criticizing the books, but I am saying it is it is odd that it's only half of their body that's scarred and half of their face that's scarred. Yes. So, um, we did a random number generator, Meg. If you had to describe this book in three words, yes. Yeah, so this one is three words. So my three words were dressmaker, duke, scars. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there you go. That I think that's a pretty good synopsis. Thank you. Thank you. And what are your three words like? Uh, marital bed blues. Oh, okay. Okay. So let's let's talk about that. Why would you say that, Lane? So, <laughs> um, the premise of this novel is she shows up to his apartments because he was uh, engaged to be married mm-hmm. and she had been hired to make the wedding dress. Right. She had completed the wedding dress. The wedding was called off. Yes, the wedding was called up at the last minute. So she shows up at his house in the wedding dress she had made for his future bride, demanding payment. She's self-supporting. She needs this money to stay alive, essentially. Um, So she figures she's going to demand it in the most dramatic fashion she can. Yeah. Upon a woman in a wedding dress showing up on his doorstep. Yes, he's like, well, let's just tie the knot then. So he's got a lot of issues because of his disfigurement. Oh, yeah, you know, he's horribly disfigured, and his previous fiance broke it off because he was horribly disfigured. She basically couldn't stand the thought of being in bed with him. Yeah, and he's like, well, I have to... Of course, Okay, uh, we've got two more romantic tropes here. Number one is he can't stomach the idea that his line will end with him because, of course, it's going to go to some cousin who won't do things right. Like, that that's always the case with these dukes who need to marry someone. Right, their heir is someone unbelievably unacceptable. Yeah, like horrible for some reason. But then there's another trope that I noticed. This is at least the second novel that I can think of where... The they get together because she was providing some kind of service for the wedding. So in this case, it's a, a wedding dress. But in other cases, maybe she's a caterer or whatever, and she comes to see him immediately following this wedding that didn't take place to say, you better make good on your financial obligations. So she inserts himself, herself like right when he's at his most vulnerable. Um, and then somehow the guy fixes on her and he's like, okay, she's actually the answer to all my problems. I need to get married for, 
for some reason or another. Um, so let's, uh, she's here, she's convenient, let's do it. Well, and I think that's a trope that's a little bit more prevalent in, like, modern romance stories. Mm-hmm. Like, I can think of the movie The Wedding Planner. I agree. That weddings as a whole are used as a setup quite a bit. Even if it's, I mean, there's a couple of Lifetime movies about, like, the sad wedding dress pl- designer or mm-hmm. wedding planner or wedding cake baker yeah. who's perpetually single or who's in love with the groom yeah. or so I definitely think the wedding premise is overdone but yeah. in this case it's really quick the fact that yeah she was involved in his wedding is really only in the first chapter yeah it is but it, and it also when we we've talked about it before but we like it when there's no suspense about like are they gonna get married are they not gonna get married and in this case like yeah they're gonna get married because that's the whole basis of the relationship is they have to get married right there's really no angst about you know is the wedding gonna happen or not really they make the decision she agrees to his terms which are um so so as we mentioned he's got his fiance broke it off with him Effectively because she found him too repugnant. Yeah. So he's made the decision that I don't want to go back on the market. I don't want to do the season looking the way I look, dealing with the rejection, dealing with the complication. I just want the air. So he says, I'll make you a justice. I'll support you. You'll have all these funds. Upon the birth of a son, you can go to the country and support yourself in style. You never have to see me again. And every time we do it, the lights will be off and it will be as perfunctory as possible. Yeah, yeah. and as soon as you get pregnant... You go to the country and enjoy yourself, and I will stay here. You never have to see me. And she's, both the money appeals to her and Uh the independence, not just because she's already an independent person, but because she has a friend she would like to help out, and Mm -hmm. being able to go run away to the country alone will enable her to do that. Well, and I mean, let's be honest, being a duchess back then was, like, basically the most powerful you could be as a woman. Well, and especially she previously was a vicar's daughter. Mm -hmm. So she was gentry, but she wasn't aristocracy. Yes, 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 that's right. Um, in their first meeting, in fact, you can tell, before she knows that he's considering her to get married, he, like, does this little mini-marriage interview. So he's like, so, what's your background? Or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and she, cause he's like, you speak really well for a seamstress. She's like, well, my father was a vicar. And he's like, oh, well, hmm, this, this sounds like it's actually going to work, you know. So she meets his purposes because clearly there's something in it for her. Yes. But so the marriage happens pretty quickly, very low drama. And their first attempt at a wedding night is interrupted by her cat. Yes. And so this sounds really stupid. And it could have been really stupid. So it could have been like you reading this book and you just roll your eyes. It's the dumbest thing ever. But you have to understand that this cat came into the marriage because she made it. She made it. That was actually her condition of, of the the wedding just to be obstinate she yeah. wanted to like set some ground rules of her own yeah and she was like well i'm bringing my cat she didn't have a cat so she like goes out and finds a cat and and it's like the nastiest meanest cat ever which i think she thinks is like perfect she yeah. like kind of wants to stick it to him a little bit because she's got to give up her independence exactly and all of this Exactly. So they get the cat and then they are interrupted and it's not like a, oh, the cat came in, I can't perform in front of an animal. It was like attack, <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's like maimed in the process. And he's already maimed, you know? So right. it was like really rough. <laughs> no, so I think, like, on the whole, that's one of my favorite things about this book is Tessa Dare's writing really does make me laugh. Yeah. And I've been a little bit apprehensive about reading Tessa Dare again because the first of her books I ever read, which mm-hmm. was the first in her Castles Ever After series, mm-hmm. 
it wasn't badly written, but it was a little over the top for me. And Meg can handle over the top a little bit better than I can. Yeah, I would say that I kind of love over the top. Like, I really love the ridiculous situations, and I love... I am all about the endings of books where they get all straightened out in like the very last pages and I will be sitting there like grinning like a fool with the stupidest thing happening like he comes in and comes down on you know goes down on his knees in front of her so I never proposed to you in public like in public square you know or in front of Queen Victoria when she's being presented for the first time at court or whatever like I recognize that it is stupid and I love it at the same time. Whereas I, I like mine to be a little bit less over the top, I think, in general. I'm more interested in the dynamic between the people. So yeah. those big, like, demonstrative yeah. chapters and chapters of planning things yeah. um, take me away from the story a little bit. Yeah. So overall, though, I think she's a good writer. Like, this is not a situation where I was regularly thinking, dang, this needs an editor. I really, I thought she's good at the English language, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better word. Yeah, no, she is. I agree with that. Uh, Something I really liked, and I I already talked about this, is that I really found the book amusing. It was just very funny. Like, I actually laughed out loud and just just enjoyed it, you know? You had some issues with the tone, though, right? Yeah, I will say that my... So, the writing was good. Um, I didn't notice any weird literary device or words or vocabulary that was overused or used incorrectly or whatever. But I, my one issue with the the writing was that I did find that there was a change in tone. So, like, m- the majority of it was very funny. Like, everything was played for laughs. And then the ending, while it, although it was over the top, which, like I just said, I, I love, it... it wasn't self-aware of being over mm-hmm. the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, and it wasn't funny. It was like, it was played to be serious, you know? Right. And, and given that the beginning of the book and their whole dynamic is sort of bantery and, and giving it to each other, she, he hates his name. Yeah. And so she comes up with the most ridiculous pet names yeah. for him just to make fun of him through the whole book. And I think that lighthearted tone really is absent from the point that the conflict really comes to a head and yeah. then their makeup. Yeah. But so that said, um, they get married early, like we said in the book, which we like. And part of the reason we like it is because there's no mystery about when they're going to consummate the relationship either. Well, and there's no lack of opportunity. That too. So pretty quickly they get together, and even with the first interrupted session, mm-hmm. he's back the next night. <laughs> right. And she's really into him. Yeah. Like, and granted, she's like really into the half of his face that was not horribly maimed, but she's into the other half too. She doesn't mind really. it. Yeah, she's, she's like, like, it's cool, you know. She's not put off by it. So, so she's not a virgin. She's not. Which, it's difficult because it's, she kind of acts like in this scene she expects sex to be good. Yes, yeah, she expects it to be good. And she's she's kind of she kind of tells him what to do a little bit. You know, like it's okay, like you can do this or you can do that or whatever. But and so I thought, oh, okay, she she's not a virgin. She had a relationship in the past. Uh, th- she enjoyed it. It was some kind of mutual relationship that. Then it turned out he was a jerk or whatever. But that was not the case. He was just a jerk the whole time and she didn't enjoy sex before, which didn't surprise me because this is very common in romance novels that either they're like a total virgin or 
they're being initiated into the pleasures of the marital. Right, like bed. this is my first good time right. or the best I've ever had right. or yeah, like, I clearly, never knew it could be like this. Like you can't end up with like not your best time. Right. No one's ever married someone that wasn't their best sexual experience ever. Right. Which which that doesn't bother me. No. But but I also like it when they they it wasn't traumatic in the past and like they had a good time. And well, and I wouldn't she's not really traumatized. No. No. Not which at I all. liked. I would have like if she'd been traumatized, I would have been a little put off. She's clearly like very excited to get things going with yeah. him. Yeah. Oh yeah. But there's plenty of opportunity. And once she finally convinces him, like, no, I'm not put off by the sex, they're doing it in every room of the house. Yeah. There are tons of sex scenes. They are all pretty long and involved. And even when they have interpersonal conflict between them, because what they've agreed is they're going to produce this air, it does not stop the sexy times. Yeah, no, 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 no. It does not. That is, that's true. Well, and... Even when she does get pregnant, because she does pretty early. The conflict comes much later. Yeah, but she and she doesn't tell him because she doesn't want to leave town and, like, stop. Right, because they've agreed him. that when she gets pregnant, she's got to go off to the country. And right. she's like, no, I would like to stay here and continue getting the D. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So, but overall, like, very high marks on the sexiness scale. I think Tessa Dare wrote two characters who are really fun. Their mm-hmm. banter is really sexy. Yeah. And... She has absolutely no problem Agreed. bringing it back to the sex yes. as frequently as she can. Yes. Um, so offensive. Did you find the book offensive in any way? Was there anything that just bugged you a little bit? I think the scene with her dad. Yeah, that that I agree. That was my pick as well. Uh, so there are books where I mean these are supposed to be fantasies there's always that fairy tale fantasy where there's your your knight in shining armor someone's gonna come and save you and yes I am being a hypocrite because I want him to want to save her and I want him to want to protect her but I don't want him to actually do it you know it's so she's because of being banished from her family yeah. because she got caught being a hussy, to use Meg's word, or whatever. <laughs> um, she hasn't seen her family, and she's been cast out by her dad. Yeah. And he sort of takes it upon himself to rectify the situation. Yes. And he doesn't tell her that he's doing it. He goes in secret to do it. Um, and he, you know, sh- he shames the, fa- the father, you know, into realizing he was a And it's, she's jerk. not upset by it at all. It should be no. said, which, like, prevents it from being a full problem. Yeah. But I also don't think that the author did a good enough job expressing that he was sure she would have wanted it. Yeah. Especially with a character who was so independent. She ran away from home. She became a seamstress. She, like, lost a toe. Oh, yeah. Due to frostbite she, yeah, from, yeah, like, forgot walking about that from on the frigid right. winters. So, like, she's a very independent woman. Her biggest reluctance to becoming a duchess was giving up that independence. Yeah. And so the fact that he then took it upon himself to solve this problem with her dad. And I get that what he was trying to say is she's taking care of herself her whole life. Now yeah. she's finally got someone to take care of her. But I wish that that had been a little bit more explicitly communicated by her before he took action. Like, yeah. even if you were going to have him rescue her. Yeah. Even a little bit more, like, of course I wish I still had a relationship with my family, yeah. and if I could find a way to fix it, I would. Yeah. Like, she's clearly really torn about how everything went yeah. down with her family, and she misses her sisters. Yeah. But the way it's all handled with the dad, especially the fact that he goes to the dad to fix it, Yeah. it's a little patriarchal, which, like, these are historical romance yeah, novels. And, and that's, I mean, I'm, this is, like, very minor, and it, it's just bothering more, it bothers me more as the older I get, the more it bugs me. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's if it's just me. I'm not sure if it's like 
hashtag me too like i i don't know if i'm just more aware of it if it's actually within me if it's like environmental i don't know but yeah the older the older i get or the longer i read these books too the more like this kind of violence bothers me and when i he didn't like go and beat up the father but he wants to and he you know like fantasizes about like pummeling him and taking you know dueling or whatever right and that just it, I'm less interested in that kind of masculinity now. And I wouldn't say it puts me off. And I didn't find the, like, dynamic between the two of them problematic. Mm, agreed. She is, once again, as explicitly feminist as a woman in the 1800s mm-hmm. can be written. Yeah. In these situations, he really respects and values her independence. Mm-hmm. There's also a couple of funny scenes with her, like, refusing to give up making her own clothes. Yeah. It's, like, it's kind of a hoot, you guys. You should... It's, it's very fun. It's very fun. I really enjoyed it a lot. And it's the first book in a series, so if you're gonna check out Tessa Dare... This is a good this place is, to start. I actually think this is a really good one to start with. Yeah. So, overall, definitely recommended. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think her strengths are the dialogue. Yeah, uh, yes, I agree. And the quantity of explicit sexiness. <laughs> so, if what you're seeking is witty dialogue, there's not a whole lot of secondary characters. No. In this one, it really is just... I mean, just there the, is, she does have some girlfriends, um, and she takes him to visit them. But, but that's... And they're that's also... It. She meets them after becoming a duchess, and it's clearly just a setup for the rest of the series. Yeah, it is. So, that's not to downplay it. They're fun, but you get more of that dynamic in the second book. Agreed, Like, yeah. in this one, it really is clearly just laying the foundation. Yeah. So, like, if your favorite thing in a romance novel is the people being fully fleshed out with these external relationships, that's not where this one is strong. Yeah. But, overall, like, definitely check it out. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, This was, again, The Duchess Deal by Tessa Dare. And if you want to listen to the podcast, we're on Google uh, Podcasts. We're on Anchor. We are on Spotify and a whole bunch of other apps. We're still waiting on iTunes, but we'll let you guys know once we're officially there. Um, Going forward, I think we're going to aim to do two episodes a week. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll probably get those posted uh, weekdays. We're not 100% sure how it's going to go yet, but if you want to stay up on what we're doing, just rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to message us with a review or a suggestion, we are at Plottris on Instagram and Plottris at gmail.com. That's Tris, T-R-Y-S-T-S.